Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. I'm Sam. Hi, I'm Anna. And today we've got a special treat for you. We're talking about the lost droid arc, downfall of a droid and duel of the droids. Do to do. So this one starts off and there's a lot of action going this on. This is a very busy arc. So we start out and the Republic fleet is inside an asteroid belt, as in uh, in between it and the planet. And General Grievous is sneaking up on them, and they know that General Grievous is sneaking up on them. They're outnumbered, and General Grievous is going to come through the asteroid belt so he can't be flanked. However, Anakin Skywalker, being a military genius, positions his tanks on the asteroids, and they crawl behind the fleet and open up right when the trap is sprung. It's extremely cool because Grievous is like, oh, we'll just fly through the asteroid belt, and no one could get through there you know, behind us. Mm -hmm. So all power to the forward shields. And the droid's like, what if we get attacked from behind? And he says, that's the best part. They can't because of the asteroids. Ah, ha, 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 ha. So clever. So Anakin scoots ahead in his Aether Sprite because he wants the glory of the kill as his gold squadron is getting shot to pieces around him. And he waits quite long to, to spring this trap. Um, meanwhile, his actual Padawan and all of his clone friends are getting like ricocheted in their Republic cruisers. It's looking dicey for everybody. Yes, but the tanks come up, they resolve the situation, everything starts blowing up, and the main ship is Grievous's cat flagship is lit up, and Grievous takes a runner, as he usually does, and makes it out in his ship just in time. However, Anakin sees him and gives chase. Anakin is chasing him and gets a Let's call it a big hunk of metal in his apparently important part of his ship. A plot device, you mean? Yeah, so he, he receives a plot device. He's like, R2, more speed. And R2's like, look at what you have given me to work with. I have an R2-D2-sized piece of metal right in front of me here that I can't do anything about. Anakin explodes. And R2 is ejected with a classic R2 scream. Yes. And Anakin wakes up in the, you know, presumably hospital of the ship with the the eerie whitewashed hospital lighting which lasts like just a little bit too long it was really uncomfortable yeah actually it, i didn't love it i didn't either usually you kind of flicker your eyelids open and then the light sort of like mm -hmm. blends back to normal but no they just stuck with it and ahsoka is like oh you know so sad your droid is lost and Obi-Wan is like, oh, so sad your droid is lost, but they're a dime a dozen. And he's like, so long story short, I didn't ever erase R2's memory, which means that he's full of all of our secrets. And Obi-Wan's like, oh, well, then you need to find him and assure that he is destroyed. No, Obi-Wan gets the closest to angry that I think we've ever seen him. He's like up to his clavicle in this bullshit. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm so tired of you. Yes. And, like, the only reason Anakin is getting away with this is because he did, in fact, manage to defeat Grievous's fleet in, like, a really clever surprise. Proving once again that Anakin can do literally whatever he wants, as long as he also does what the Jedi Council asks him to do. For real. So, anyway, he pops in his ship with Ahsoka, and they fly off uh, looking for it. They find his fighter, which is blown up and distinctly missing an R2 droid. <laughs> so they go around and they find someone who's salvaging the battlefield. A Trandoshan... Trandoshan. A Trandoshan scavenger ship. Yes. Where we meet God Knocked. Yes, we don't learn his name until uh, the second episode. But... I just wrote it down because I liked how many H's there were in it. <laughs> um, so all the other Trandoshans we've seen in the Star Wars universe have been like 
Bosk, who is, you know, this long, rangy, horrific murder lizard. And what's his name? Ganacht. Ganacht. Who, to be fair, is also a murder lizard. He's just a stumpy one. He is apparently extraordinarily stinky and lets out a very loud fart as he joins Anakin and Ahsoka in his ship. Do you think this is the first fart joke in Star Wars history? I believe chronologically it's not, no, because there's a fart joke in Phantom Menace. There is? Yes, when they use the camel creatures to pull the pod racers oh, yeah. in and Jar Jar steps in it. Yes. But this is, in fact, the first non-Jar Jar-related scatological joke, chronologically, <laughs> in the stars. <laughs> a dubious honor, by <laughs> all accounts. <laughs> um they pretend to be a newlywed couple. They flash some cash. Is that what they're doing? Dude, I don't know. I think, okay, first, we're going to have to talk about yeah. this later. Anakin. I'm pretty sure Anakin is masquerading as Ahsoka's dad, which is something. hilarious because he kind of is her dad, but she has two dads. At She's least. Obi-Wan and Anakin already. And Plo Koon. And yeah. Plo Koon. Ahsoka's a lot of dads. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he he really quarter-asses the whole thing, but they flash a bunch of money and the Trandoshan is like, yes, I might have something in the back room. Be careful, there's some scary stuff in there. Oh, forgot. Meanwhile, on this journey, they're given a new droid, R3-S6. How could we forget? Goldie, who is uh, for Gold Leader of Gold Squadron and who Ahsoka just loves. And he's actually so faster than R2 and better. And so they go in... They're looking for R2-D2. Anakin hears a characteristic R2-D2 chirp, runs off, and is like, hey, R3, open the doors, turn on the lights, yada yada. Oh, wait, murder bots. Yeah, R3 activates the murder bots, which they fight in a kind of fraught scene between Anakin and Ahsoka. I thought it was a great scene, actually. It was, was, I think, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was the first time we've seen Ahsoka wield a lightsaber in the Clone Wars TV series. I believe you're correct. In the order we're watching them, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I believe you're correct. And she does pretty well. I mean, she's not by she's not up to Anakin standards, but she does pretty well. Oh yeah, I mean, they're they each get a kill of these. I believe they're IG eighty six assassin droids. So they survive. They threaten the uh, Trandoshan with their lightsabers, blowing their cover entirely. Yeah, Ahsoka says R 2s not here. We need to go. And God knocked is like, yeah, if you didn't have a lightsaber, you wouldn't be so tough. So they they leave. R2 is, is revealed. Yes, he was hiding in the dustbin or the, like a little closet the whole time. He breaks his restraining bolt off by banging into a door. It's literally so great. As this electro dance pop starts playing loudly in the background, and it just totally sets the mood. It does. It's it's great. He sneaks out and he pulls the old, let me lure you into an airlock and jettison you into a space trick against one of these assassin droids. But before he can get any further, he is caught. Meanwhile, back at the fleet, they join up and Obi-Wan tells them that, hey, there's a listening post nearby, and that's why the Separatists knew where you were. So go find it and destroy it. Yeah, a listening post probably with spies on it, which is how Grievous knows their every move. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to go head off, take that out. Anakin hops into his ship solo uh, with R3, R3-S6. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to fly out 
in this direction, everyone else like search the the main area because one ship will be stealthy. As soon as he gets out there, he's like, "Ah, oh, yes. Well, let's you know turn on the sensors and stay quiet and start looking." And then Goldie turns on his tracking beacon, and immediately the fleet shows up. The, the entire fleet. fleet shows up to eat his lunch. And Grievous is, you know, sends his entire contingent of fighters after them. And it's a pretty thrilling space battle as Anakin has to deal with a recalcitrant droid trying to, like... Sabotage him at every turn. Yeah, he jettisons the hyperspace ring and it gets blown up. And he's like, if we get blown up, you die too. He's telling the droid this. He's Which does nothing. Yeah. I mean, R3 drops his hyperdrive engine just straight into space. So yeah. they're totally screwed. However... Da-da-da! Ahsoka flies in with the cavalry. Uh, Anakin manages to crash land his own fighter in the back of the twilight. They like shoop, like suck them up like into the ship with a yep. straw, basically. And they escape. And this whole time, uh, but meanwhile, R two D two on the Trend Ocean ship does manage to get out a signal, and that well, it's Anakin justify. He's like, well, that's definitely R two and. Maybe R2's on the Separatist listing post, mm. so we can kill two birds with one stone. That's the Fate to Black. Yeah, so that's the first episode. The second episode, they're like held in the clutches of the vile droid smuggler. And I'm like, that's I mean, the dude's just making a living, you know? He's like going around. Yeah. Is anyway. he not vile? Does he not smell scatological? I mean, he's a lizard person. Lizards don't always smell good. Like Does Bosk smell bad? I don't know. General this guy Beard. gives me real Watto vibes. I'm going to be honest over okay, here. Okay, okay. He's kind of gnarly. You just hate little, like, outer rim capitalists, hardworking people out in the outer rim. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the antagonist apologist over here can just explain away anything. Apparently. So, the Ahsoka, Anakin, and Rex are searching for the enemy outpost yep. still. And the Trandoshan brings R2 to General Grievous. And they immediately start taking him apart. My favorite creepy line of this episode, no need for fear, we're all droids here. Ha 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 ha, like As, creepy yeah, laughter. General Grievous is real creepy. So scary in this episode. So... As Ganacht is taking apart R2, he sees what's inside R2's brain... And he's like, this droid is worth a lot, a lot of money because he has like, all He can't believe his good mm -hmm. luck. And General Grievous is like, I'll, I got your money right here, and lightsabers a hole in him. So, oh. Meanwhile, Anakin, Ahsoka, Rex, and their clone troops are like force jumping down onto the outpost. So they hone in on the signal that R2 sent, mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, hey, there's a listening post there. And so they drop in, and everyone's, I mean, Anakin and Ahsoka don't need jetpacks. Rex has to carry... R3, because apparently R3 units don't have rocket boots like R2 units. And the rest of them, He's you know, literally dragging them down at every turn. Yeah. Literally. So they land on the Separatist base, and they start infiltrating it. And Anakin's like, so I'm going to dip and go find R2. You guys carry on with the mission. It'll be fine. Everything's great. Everything's fine. I'll just leave my 14-year-old Padawan in charge, because that seems like a great plan. Yeah. Priorities. What's funny is that, meanwhile, General Grievous is sitting here. He's He's got R2 in pieces, and he's like, Magna droids, go take him to my ship. There's With Gnarf's corpse just yeah. sitting there on the ground. Yeah. Well, you know, they're robots. They can turn their smell off. Oh, gross. And uh, and he's like, well, there's intruders. I'll go deal with them. Because R3 is like, oh, hey, by the way, General Grievous, my boss man, 
we're here, it is revealed that Agent R3 is working for General Grievous the whole time. Two, you know. Nobody's surprised. Uh, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, this poor droid just wants to fit in and can't fill R2's shoes. Okay, you know what? That's a great, that's a great point. But then, I will say the magnitude of my shock and betrayal was huge. <laughs> and it did not get any less the next time I watched this episode. So you're right, you're right. So R3 is with everyone but Anakin, and actually results in legit clone deaths. Yes. Ahsoka's holding off like 20 big droids and little droids. Just the whole... And most of her squadron gets axed. Well, they're in the corner. They're trying to get through a door. R3 closes the blast door around the door they're trying to get through. And then General Grievous shows up. And General Grievous chops through all of the clones in one murder blender. Yes. And, is about and knocks to, Ahsoka against the wall. And is about to finish off Rex when Ahsoka really cheekily and with much more bravado than sense. A lot of panache. Yeah. She dives in front. Wouldn't you rather have a challenge? Yes. And he says, that wouldn't be you. And keeps fighting. Ahsoka runs away and is chased by Grievous as Rex and the one surviving clone go put the bombs everywhere that they need to put. Because mm-hmm. they're like, we have one job, we're here to blow this up, it'll be fun. They have the easy part. <laughs> uh, Anakin is going along and he finds all the Magna droids and R2. And, and he says, you have something that belongs to me. Yes. Sploosh. <laughs> <laughs> and he chops through all the Magna droids. Uh, R2-D2 R2 finishes off the last he one. He does because he manages to like pull out all of his arms and push himself up and like screw his own head partially back on and goes up and just zaps the last My one. My baby. And then R- Anakin's like, oh, you're not looking so good, buddy. And like crams his head entirely on. My strong baby. Uh, they get a radio signal, but it's like just a, a beep and he doesn't know what's going on. So Anakin runs to the hangar. That's where we're supposed to meet. Anakin and R2 get to the hangar. Rex and the clones get to the hangar. Their ship gets to the hangar. And he's like, where's Ahsoka? And Rex is like, she took off after fighting General Grievous. And Anakin is furious. Rightfully so. All of this is all his fault. 100%. This is all his fault. Yes. The whole the whole episode arc is his fault. Oh, my goodness. But like Anakin and his remaining two clones trigger the explosives. Yes. Meanwhile, in a very thrilling scene... Ahsoka and Grievous are chasing each other through a droid library, library? stacks. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of those um, shelves all next to each other. And if you like knock For one over, they'll all fall capital over. Capital D dramatic purpose. Yes. And it is a pretty scary fight. As it's going along, R3 reveals himself to be a traitor to mm-hmm. Ahsoka. And Ahsoka barely escapes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So everyone's in the hangar. A bunch of reinforcements have been called, and R3 reveals himself to be a traitor by locking down all the doors and calling reinforcements, and then bouncing. They're having a fight. Ahsoka shows up. There's a really cool moment. You know, they're they're just bantering back and forth as like like Anakin and Ahsoka are just deflecting laser bolts, and Rex and the clones are just like hiding out behind boxes. Like, can you guys get to the point here? Like, can you <laughs> can you work out your issues when we're not being shot at? Uh, Rex says. General, fuel, or explosives or something, a power cells. And Anakin's like, cool, got it. And he just yeets them over at the bad guys. Everything explodes. Big explosion. Perfect backdrop for the actual duel of the droids. So Anakin had sent R2 out to open the door to the hangar so they could escape. 
R2 is out on this, you know, non-OSHA approved entryway. <laughs> yeah. And and so there this station is in the atmosphere of a gas giant. It looks mm. like Bespin from episode five. It's real bit. yellow and just congealed looking. Mm-hmm. So R2 is out there just doing his hacking job. When the camera turns and you see behind him is sneaking, rolling along R3S6. And they get into a droid fight match. An actual sweaty, palm, scary fight. They have their various accoutrements of doom, you know, their their pizza cutters, their shock rods, their flamethrowers. They're just like bumping into each other. (laughs) Just headbutting each other. So as you said earlier, at some point along here, I believe during the fight uh, when Ahsoka was really up against the ropes by Grievous, Grievous is like, Jedi are soft. Now that I have you, he'll never blow up the station. Anakin's like, let's blow up the station. And he's like, whatever. (laughs) Whatever, I'll solve this problem on the way down. (laughs) So the station is falling and they manage to get out and escape and Anakin Swoops off. Yeah, he take he goes to the back Rex of the ship. Rex is like, where is he? Ahsoka's like, ah, he went back for freaking R2. So in the most dramatic fight that of, I have ever seen in Star Wars thus far. R2 pushes R3 off. R3 is like leaning over the gantry. It is a scar from the Lion mm-hmm. King moment. He's got his little like magnetic grapple attached to R2. And he's going to drag them both to their deconstruction yeah r2 zoops out his oil and lights it on fire and so r3 lights on fire and then r2 pulls out his pizza cutter and slowly and gleefully slices the wire r3 flies off into the void and is immediately hit by debris and breaks into six pieces it is the most satisfying conclusion to an episode that i can remember so it is delightful Anakin pulls up alongside, R2 jumps in Anakin's ship, they all fly off. Right where off. he belongs, happy family, everyone's mm-hmm. reunited. Anakin and- has both of his children where he needs them. Yes. And that is the episode. And uh, Anakin says, you know, R2's more than a droid, he's a friend. He's my child. He's my child. <laughs> What's funny is that he, uh, you know, like C-3PO is like his actual child. He's like, C-3PO, get out of here. R2's way <laughs> He split the children in the divorce. Padme is like shuffling off with C-3PO. You can see why Anakin likes R2, though, because depending on if you count deleted scenes, R2 was there when uh, Anakin got his first kills at the age of mm. like nine. <laughs> so <laughs> Whoa, they have history. They have a lot of history together. So that is this arc. Very exciting. Super exciting. Where do you want to start? I think I want to start with the production value because I did a little bit of digging. So mm-hmm. when I watched this episode, the first thing that stood out to me is how it seemed to have something a little extra special in the animation and the production value. Mm-hmm. I did a little digging and this was actually the first Clone Wars episode that was ever animated. Interesting. The very first pieces were put into the Clone Wars movie. So they never became part of the TV series. And this was the very first animated piece of the Clone Wars TV series that was ever produced. Interesting. Which I thought was interesting because it just had a little special sauce. The action shots were more interesting. The angles were sharper. I thought the score was incredible. The score, you know, now that you mentioned that, that is something I noted in the Clone Wars movie is that the track was just 
jamming. Yes. And in this it was episode, pod racing beats. Yeah, in this episode, also EDM space EDM music. I believe that was the composer John Williams who was doing that. This. Uh huh. Wild. Which is super wild. But just like really interesting framing. There were a couple shots even that stood out to me. There's a scene where Ahsoka is in the cruiser and there's like, you're seeing her face through the glass screen. Yeah. And all the diagnostics are kind of reflected on her face. And I thought the asteroid belt ring shot at the very beginning of the episode was super beautiful. Wow. Yeah, that's a good catch. And I definitely see that now. It was very much higher. And so that makes sense from like a... TV uh, seasonal perspective. You start out and you've got a lot of budget and then your accountants come in and they're like, so by the way, you have to do like four cheap episodes now because you did one expensive episode. And then by the end, your animators are so tired. They haven't seen their families. It's Christmas Eve. <laughs> they're like more caffeine than human. Yeah. So we, we got them when they were fresh on this episode and I think it really showed. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a fun episode. Also, have to talk about the Jedi ponchos. Oh, yeah. So when they show up in the Trandoshan ship, they're wearing like full body shapeless ponchos. They're wearing Qui-Gon ponchos from Phantom Menace. Yeah. Which I guess is ostensibly their like commoner disguise. Mm -hmm. I think Ahsoka took off her silka beads, the uh, thing that she wears instead of a Padawan braid. Yeah. Yeah. And then Anakin promptly, you know, ruins the surprise. Oh man, yeah, that was uh that was a part that I want to talk about a bit. Like when they show up. So they could have been like, hey, this is an active battlefield. We're looking for actual military intelligence. Mm. We have a bunch of fighters outside, so we're gonna search your hold. And like that would have a better effect, honestly, of like we're the cops, we're not here to mess with you. We're just here for like one specific thing. Here's a hologram of it. Try- if the cops showed up at your hideout, would you show them all of your secret stuff because they wanted to see it? Uh if they sufficiently outgunned me and I wanted to live, like the Jedi and the clones could have on a Trandoshan scavenger ship. They they went in, they tried to use like Hookums. Yeah, they tried to be sneaky, they tried to be clever, and then they just did not commit to the bit. Anakin did not commit to the bit. Yes, he is not that's just not his jam. It's very funny to me, uh, when I play Dungeons and Dragons or things like that. Like you make a plan, you, you show up with your players and it's like you did you didn't commit to the bit. You showed up and as soon Guys, as you got through the door. Yeah, as soon as you get through the door, you're like, aha, let me show you my little friend. It's swords out. It's like, no, you need to get through the second door also, you know? Let's remember also that Anakin ostensibly didn't even fill Ahsoka in on the bit. He hugs her real close. They look ridiculous, they by the way. do. I love it so much. He like hugs her real close and he's like, Pookums lost her droid and she's really set on another R2. And Ahsoka's like, Pookums? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What the hell is this? She was not. She was not there for that. It was. Uh, Obi Wan would have handled this so differently, and that's <laughs> all I have to say about that. <laughs> I did also love the part when he's going along. They're about to get attacked by the assassin droids, and he says, "That sounds like R two because that's something that is called out 
also in episode five, Empire Strikes Back, when C-3PO is going along, it's like, that sounds like R2-D2. And from just like a oh, random chirpy. Yeah. And it's funny that you can tell the difference between astromech droids and their little chirps because they all do have distinctly different voices. They do. There's a weird thing when Anakin was berating R3 when they were in the final space battle of this episode mm-hmm. and then Grievous shows up. Yeah. And he threatens him and he's like, if we go down, you go down too. And R3 makes a sound that's kind of reminiscent of Grogu from Mando. Oh, yeah? He makes like a little baby like, Oh, it was so sad. Yeah. Yeah. They are very expressive in this episode. Rightfully so. It is a droid-centric episode. And specifically when the droids don't say anything, you have to actually pull a lot of information from their expressions Mm -hmm. so that was a lot of fun and then as i said earlier i also the first time i watched this i thought it was just anakin being a real jerk about having a replacement droid and of course you know that r2d2 survives he's the most you know he gets the most most. springtime screen time of like any character droid representation and personified in r2 but anakin's a real jerk Here's what I noticed about Anakin being a real jerk in this episode. Anakin is capable of murdering hundreds of Tusken Raiders and mm-hmm. then still can be really sad when he loses his favorite toy. Yes. Yes. Also, at the very beginning in the ambush scene, it definitely felt like Anakin was in it for the glory. He could have commanded the mm-hmm. whole battle from the cruiser like ahsoka ended up doing mm-hmm. like what what type of on the job training is, of that is like okay i'm 19 20 years old i have a 14 year old girl i'm gonna leave her in charge of the entire battle so i can go like screw around in my spaceship he did that repeatedly ahsoka repeatedly took charge in this episode so that anakin could go screw around yeah he had a purpose i will be a little bit more generous there. Mm-hmm. He had a purpose. He was trying to find R2. But he put Ahsoka in so many dangerous and potentially compromising situations in this arc, mm-hmm. which is something that I will have to talk about at some point. Also, uh, Ahsoka covered for him when he's like, oh, sorry, Obi-Wan. By the way, R2 had all of our battle plans. Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan very nearly blows a gasket. Mm-hmm. And Ahsoka says it helps that he is that smart. Yeah, she gave the explanation for why, for one reason why they allow R2 to roll around with all his memories intact. But the real reason is just that Anakin has attachment issues, which as Obi-Wan says, that is not acceptable for a Jedi. Yeah, he alludes to it a lot. And at the very end... It's the subtext of the episode. Yeah, it's the subtext of the Anakin arc. They just really got to pound it every time Mm -hmm. Anakin's in an episode, just show that he is too attached to everything. I appreciate that. His attachment is interesting, though, because he's like, there's my ship. And he doesn't, like, care nearly as much about the ship. Yeah, which it's the Ether Sprite. It's my favorite Star Wars ship. Yeah, I mean, presumably the Jedi have a ton of them lying around. But they're very cool. And his has a custom paint job. Oh, my God. And gold for the leader of Gold Squadron. Yeah, gold for gold leader. Nice. Another fun fact. Did you know that Dave Filoni picked Goldie's coloring as an homage to his favorite sports team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> hey oh, sports ball. What else did you want to talk about in this episode? I want to talk about droid rights. So, droid rights. Lay it on me. Okay. I'm ready. You have something that belongs to me. 
R2-D2 is more than a droid, he's a friend. Anakin says both of these things within about 15 minutes. Mm. You have something that belongs to me. He still doesn't think of R2 as a separate sentient being. Mm. And he almost has to say that to cover up for his actions. Mm. And then Obi-Wan says, well, R2 units are a dime a dozen. Moving forward... In like uh, as a call out to episode four, as they're doing the attack on the first Death Star, Luke is plugging R2 into his X-Wing and they're like, do you want a replacement droid? He's like, no, we've been through a lot together. I'm like, whatever. Mm. So generally, it seems like droids don't have free agency. We see that in my favorite Star Wars movie, Solo, do yeah. we not? And we, we see do. R2... I mean, if if droid rights is a theme of this arc, which now that you pointed out, I think it is, mm-hmm. we see R2 unshackling himself from servitude when he knocks his restraining bolt off. Mm-hmm. And it's pictured as this, like, liberation scene. There's electro dance music in the background. Like, it's spunky mm-hmm. and exciting. Yeah. So then let's flip it around. Is R3 evil or is he just programmed that way? Ooh. Because... <gasps> If droids are generally erased in between these battles, then R3 was presumably captured by separatists, reprogrammed, Mm. and then sent in. Does he have free agency? Wow, I'm sitting here processing that. (laughs) I don't think he does because, and I'll tell you why, I kept looking for instances where Ahsoka might have won him over by Mm -hmm. showing him a lot of kindness I was like, okay, well, maybe he's programmed to trip up Anakin, but maybe he'll have a soft spot for Ahsoka, but he doesn't. Mm-mm. He betrays her with just as much... Efficacy? Efficacy? I was going to say, with just as much dispassion mm. as he betrays Anakin. Yeah, he's really a much better Jedi than Anakin. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch, Sam. <laughs> You can't program a droid to be a Jedi. You can program to be dispassionate. And that's kind of what R3 was doing. You know, phone in, try to lure Jedi in, because I'm sure the Separatists knew how efficient the combination of clones, Jedis, and droids working together is. You can program someone to be dispassionate, but Mm -hmm. I think it's more powerful to have an individual go through the journey of becoming dispassionate despite their natural instincts. I think it teaches you a lot Mm -hmm. to be able to override your instincts in the way that we see most Jedi Masters capable of doing. Yeah, and specifically and flagrantly, we don't see Anakin in this episode doing that. Yeah, I'm literally just making an argument for why you can't outsource jobs to AI over here. So like, take this with a (laughs) grain of salt. I think you're probably right. But, you know, are these droids evil? Like, the answer is no. Are th- Do they have free will and free agency? Mm. And if so, how much? And the fact that you can and do, as normal operating procedure, delete a droid's memory, mm. what does that mean for that droid as a sentient entity? Right, because if R2 has sentience, then we should be able to make the argument that R3 has sentience as well. Mm-hmm. And the truth, according to this, is just that R3 is so deep into servitude that his sentience is overwhelmed by his unwilling fealty mm-hmm. to Grievous. 
Yeah. Which makes Grievous a slave owner. Well, yeah. I'm, if we're co- if we're continuing with the sure, metaphor, sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, we're all droids here. Ha, yeah. Ha, ha. Except he's not. He's not. He has a heart and eyes. Freaky. Yeah, he's real freaky. But that is something that I think is worth thinking about. Mm. Because imagine, if you will, that R3 was like some Jedi's droid and had not been erased for so, so long and was just as good and just as smart as R2. Mm-hmm. And then they were erased and they were hit with this programming. Oh, wow. It would instantly turn him into a sympathetic figure. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, more than that, you can you can carry on that thought experiment in your head, but more than that, what does that mean for you as a biological being's relationship with droids if you can work alongside a droid for years i mean anakin and r2 have known each other for 10 years or more Mm -hmm. at this point and then one day you could just erase all that memory and they're like oh hi i'm r2d2 what's your name this is why we say that relationships with such a deep power imbalance can never be equitable oh yeah it's why i mean there's so many i'm not going to draw some of the spicy comparisons that i could because it's not relevant but a master and a slave can never be friends yeah. because the master simply is not capable of bringing his slave to an equal level. Mm-hmm. It's the deep irony that Anakin at the end of the episode says, R2 is more than a droid. He's a friend. Mm-hmm. You just can't say that about your servant. Particularly because R2, I mean, Anakin could in no joke, three minutes reprogram r2d2 it happens to c3po does it not in the sequel movies at some point in the main feature films i think c3po gets reprogrammed i mean definitely at least a few times or he's very good at lying Hmm. hard to say Hmm. hard to say worth exploring later uh clone wars era c3po is in my mind slightly insufferable compared to original trilogy c3po yeah yeah, original is he not are... always insufferable? It's better. <laughs> he, gets, he gets slightly funnier. So it, yeah, I think it's it's worth thinking about because that line is never clearly drawn. And the line between the rules of what makes a droid a droid or a robot a robot are some of the deep cornerstones of mm. science fiction as a genre. Ooh. Like in the whole Asimov verse since we're having this conversation i want to raise one final point Mm -hmm. how much of anakin's success is actually just r2 Ooh, that is a good point how much of anakin's success is him driving the beings around him to to or past their breaking point yes Mm -hmm. yes i wrote down a couple things that anakin says just in the initial space battle of Mm -hmm. downfall of a droid Good thing you gave us that extra power, buddy. Mm-hmm. See what you can do about that, buddy. Mm-hmm. The things that Anakin outsources to other lesser beings while he's busy playing the hero mm. are what save the day. I mean, the whole space battle that he outsources to Ahsoka. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. And like the extra speed that R2 gives them that lets them do all the fancy flying. Yeah. Yeah, that's wow. what, yeah. So there's there's a lot to be said as far as the nature of droids in this episode, as mm-hmm. well as uh, perhaps a little 
much now that look we're looking at with a critical lens a little too loud of yes anakin is a bad jedi we know already it is a really heavy-handed arc there's no missing any of these lessons But we get to see Ahsoka um, doing really well. I think that she is calming Anakin. She's calling him out on his BS. And she is, you know, she's fighting, as you said, with the lightsaber, I believe for the first time in the movies. She also calls Anakin Gramps, which just sent me over the moon. She calls Grievous grumpy. And that's okay. So that's something else worth talking about is that the Ahsoka versus Grievous fight does, in fact, show that Ahsoka has no idea what she's gotten herself into. I really want to talk about this, but it also makes me really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to talk about Ahsoka versus Grievous, and especially Duel of the Droids. It's the moment when Ahsoka's facing Grievous down and basically in the center hub of his ship. Mm -hmm. And at first I was like, Ahsoka's so brave. And then Grievous says this pivotal line They sent a child to destroy my station. And then after that, I could not ignore that Ahsoka's a 14-year-old fighting this, let's put him in human terms, grown-ass man. Mm -hmm. When they're in the droid library and Grievous says in this deep voice, you're stuck with me now, Mm -hmm. and then chokes her out. Yeah. I had a really visceral reaction And it's really hard for me to talk about, actually, because the power dynamics of this child facing up against this terrifying monster are uncomfortable. And I think it was a deliberate choice that Grievous is mostly a droid, because if this had been some kind of humanoid... Like Dooku. Like Dooku. If this had been Dooku, I think this almost would have been inappropriate for a children's show. Wow. It was terrifying as a woman. Yeah, I I definitely hear that. There's a great game, uh, the Lego Star Wars Complete Series, and you play, or the Clone Wars Complete Series, and you play this mission, and it is a tough one being Ahsoka, and this horrifying General Grievous is coming after you. And that is my memory of this before watching it again for this, Mm -hmm. was that this is a very scary moment for Ahsoka. My nightmares are of like creeping through a dark library with some big scary male figure chasing after me. So like this was not a fun scene. But it it just shows you another heavy-handed lesson. Mm -hmm. The Jedi do put literal children into really terrifying situations. And sometimes I just think it's a miracle that they survive. Yeah. And ironically, you know, if Anakin had been like, I'll take the actual threat, Ahsoka, go rescue the droid, that would have worked fine. It's because Anakin did know that his relationship with R2 was inappropriate, Mm -hmm. that he felt the need to clean it up himself. Yeah. It's his detachment issues. And 
they also needed to make an excuse for why Grievous and Anakin didn't meet before the opening scene of episode three. Oh my god. <laughs> so keep note of that, listener. As you go through all of the Clone Wars, there's a lot of moments where like they're just passing on a train, Anakin and Grievous. They never meet up until episode three. That actually makes me feel a lot better. Yeah. I like to think that if there weren't an actual movie plot reason, mm-hmm. that Anakin probably would have gone after Grievous himself. One would hope. Yeah. This has all been very heavy, Sam. Yeah. So I have prepared for you something delightful. What is that? I was struck by how ridiculous this arc is. So I wrote some Onion newspaper titles (laughs) to sum up some of the main plot points. All right, let's lay them on me. Are you ready? Yeah. First one, local man anthropomorphizes favorite toolkit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yes. Second one. Florida man, because it's always a Florida man. Mm -hmm. Florida man fails both his children. A little bit. (laughs) Because he loses R2, and then he makes Ahsoka do all the dirty work. And really... And almost, like, gets her killed, too. He does. And, like, that moment where he's like, you let her go off by herself, and Rex is like, she outranks me. You sent her off by herself. She, oh, she was in charge of the mission. And that's something Ahsoka calls out, too. Like, when they're fighting, uh, Anakin's like, why did you go off by yourself? And Ahsoka's like, I was actually the one doing the mission. It was my call. That is a good point. Also, every time Rex calls Ahsoka sir, just Mm -hmm. my little feminist heart is like, yes! Yeah, she outranks him. so great. Rex enjoys that power dynamic, because he's like, I like working for Anakin, but I prefer working for Ahsoka. <laughs> I just love when she orders him around. I just think it's great. Well, she always has good orders. Like Anakin's like, I'm going to fly off by myself and solve this problem. And Ahsoka's like, let's get the gang together. Let, I'm going to do some delegating yeah, here. Yeah, let's, let's As go, a strong, confident, powerful 14-year-old. Like, let's get like 20 guys. And that way we have enough guys. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have too many guys and too few. All right? Like, we're going to solve this problem. We're going to blow this popsicle stand. Well, and we are going to do it together. When she met Grievous... This is the first time they met. Mm -hmm. And she says, he's just another tinny. Let's get him, boys. Yeah, it's so great. And then Grievous eats all the clones. But I mean, what can you what more can you expect from a literal 14 year old? I think she did great. Yeah. Okay. uh, You might now appreciate this one. Fate of Republic once again rests on one 16 year old shoulders. Yeah, for real. I was going to say 14, but I think Luke is like 16. Yeah. Hard to say. I mean, also that was he starts out as 15 and episode four but i think he gets yeah. a little older than that yeah yeah, yeah. always well, about those child soldiers living their pivotal moments it's just one of my favorite tropes it's why i like the hunger Games so much okay yeah. i have one more all right local man tells group project member to lower him into his grave so he can be let down one last time <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of that going on. A lot of anti-Goldie sentiment over here. A lot of that. And also that speaks to Obi-Wan because he's presumably running like an entire front of this war. Yes. And he's like, I'm going to send Anakin to do this incredibly like dangerous thing because Anakin's good at that. And Anakin's like, Dad, I lost my droid. He's like, son of a, oh, why are you <laughs> like this? 
I didn't, I didn't raise you I to be like this. You like, this is not Qui-Gon's influence either. Oh I know God. this. Why are you so terrible? <laughs> yeah. Obey dad over there just disappointed uh, He did everybody. have a lot of dad. Like his entire attitude Big was a dad energy. dad, yeah. So great. So this one, in my mind, really worth a watch. It's a thrilling, as you said, high production values and uh, really makes you think about droids. Mm-hmm. So, I have been thinking about this for like two weeks. Me too. Who is your bay for this episode? Are you saying it's time for Baywatch? It's time for Baywatch. It's time for Baywatch. 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 <laughs> you want to know my bay first? Uh... Yes, yes. Do you want to do, are we going to have the same bay? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm shocked. There's not that many characters. Lay it on me. Who you got? Okay, I have a controversial choice. If you think about it in a certain light. Okay, from a certain point of view. From a certain point of view, I have a controversial choice. Okay. It's Ahsoka. All right. But we also spent this episode talking about how great Ahsoka is. And I was kind of thinking that we were going to spend the episode talking about how not great Ahsoka is. So I think I was... Well, let's invert that then. Let's talk about now why, despite all these bad things, that Ahsoka is great. What bad things did she do? Ahsoka mindlessly trusts and anthropomorphizes the new R3 droid without any critical thought. And is just sort of like shoving cute nicknames down everyone's throats and mm-hmm. being very saccharine, I think, is a word that you've used to describe Ahsoka before. Uh, especially in this context, yeah. Especially in this context. She is pretty girly at yeah. certain points in this episode. That has a lot of naivety. Yes, a lot of naivety. She faces down Grievous. That was definitely not the kind of situation that I wanted to see her in. It was above her pay grade. Mm-hmm. But she calls Anakin Grams. And I think that's so great. She looks great in a poncho. And at the moment as they're about to go, as they rescue Anakin from his shot up ship. She scoops him up into the she twilight. She up, shows up exactly where she needs to be she at says, every moment. punch it Rex and winks at him and they so, fly away. Oh my God, I can't believe I forgot about the wink. It was, it was a good moment. Oh, it was a great wink. Yeah, it was good. It was fun. Oh my God, that was one of my favorite moments. I can't believe I almost forgot. Thank you. Yeah. Ahsoka yeah. Winks, possibly my favorite thing in the entire Star Wars universe. Truly great. When she orders Rex around and is like, Rexter, you get to carry him. Mm-hmm. And then when she's the first one to jump onto the spy station and goes, follow me, boys. Mm-hmm. And then everyone looks at each other and Anakin's like, okay, all right. And then jumps after her. Yeah. I thought that was great. But also, on a deeper level, Ahsoka... I think is the one that makes it possible to reveal Anakin's dependence mm-hmm. on R2. Yes. To everybody. Mm-hmm. But she also covers up for him. She also does cover up for him, and she is complicit in that, but there's some master Padawan stuff going on, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to hold her to it. I just think she gets put into impossible situations mm-hmm. in this arc, and just with a lot of aplomb, does the most. She's doing pretty great for a 14-year-old. And she trusts Goldie and, 
you know, rah-rahs all over Goldie. And when it's revealed that Goldie has betrayed them all, she then deals with the consequences of her actions. She does. So. Yeah. I was expecting some pushback for that. Thank you for agreeing that Ahsoka's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Who's your bae? Mm. Wow, I'm so, I'm nervous. Why am I nervous? It's Anakin. I'm actually, I know I've given Anakin so much hate this episode. He was on my bay list too. Yeah, because he knows how to prosecute a war. He knows that he cannot burn R2's memory. He knows that he has to clean up his own messes. He does the best he can. He comes up with these absolutely stellar plans. He continually outthinks General Grievous, who is the mastermind of the entire Separatists. Mm. That is the other tip of the spear. And he punches way up. He thinks fast on his feet. And if he put as much effort into doing the right thing as looking good while doing it, Mm. he would be the most shining exemplar and it would be impossible to watch. Wow. His flaws are so weighty because his skill and his passion and his Mm -hmm. love are so deep that they need to cancel each other out to make Mm. a character as dark as he is. And this is surprising to me as well because this episode really makes Anakin look bad but it also showcases how amazing he is. He just is wanting a little bit too much. I think you bring up such a beautiful point, which is, I think, the great success of the prequel movies in that in showing Anakin's wondrous self, mm-hmm. we're that much more betrayed in episode three when we see him fall. Mm-hmm. And it just, you think of Obi-Wan like you were the chosen one. Mm-hmm. You were my brother. Yeah. I think you illustrate that so perfectly. It's hard to watch him like this mm-hmm. because you want him to be what he could be. Mm-hmm. And while granted, this is, the whole episode is Anakin's fault, perhaps something similar to this happened, and that's why R3 was the spy. They Mm. shot down a different Jedi, captured a different R3 unit, reprogrammed them, and sent them in as a spy. Yeah. And so it is through Anakin's unconventional tactics that he is able to succeed. And the Jedi are incapable of telling him that because it goes against their code. Mm. And the fact that Anakin cannot live his life within the strictures of the Jedi code is what makes him chafe. He is unable to move forward, and so he builds resentment. Mm-hmm. 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 And the only person close enough to tell him this is Obi-Wan, and we know Obi-Wan will not do that. And Ahsoka. And Ahsoka. I give Obi-Wan a little bit more responsibility because Ahsoka is 14 years old. Mm-hmm. But I think this episode shows that uh, Obi-Wan's busy. Obi-Wan is busy. Obi-Wan's running a war on multiple fronts. Yeah. Obi-Wan is up there with Yoda and Mace Windu. And they're the people who are like, hey, Luminara, hey, Shakti, hey, Anakin, I need to deploy you to a sector. That's the level that Obi-Wan is at. Anakin is the guy in the Malevolent Arc who is the hotshot pilot in charge of the bombing run. Right. 
Obi-Wan is the guy in charge of the entire operation. He's the one moving the chess mm-hmm. pieces around on the chessboard. Mm-hmm. We looked this up one time when we looked up the Jedi military mm-hmm. strictures or structures. Anakin's in charge of maybe a thousand people mm-hmm. at once. Obi-Wan's in charge of three million, yeah. according to his title. Yeah. So, so Anakin's missing his great support because mm-hmm. his great support is at the top of his career and doesn't have time for stuff that Anakin, you know, should have learned as a Padawan, mm-hmm. but he was too old. And Obi-Wan has to sit there and play this game that is so difficult mm-hmm. of what do I do with this asset, this unreliable asset? Mm. Because Double-edged it, sword. Mm-hmm, because it is a war and I need this asset, but what do I do? And what he ends up doing, and I don't know if it's him, but what ends up happening is, and we'll see this shortly as well, Ahsoka gets handed off a fair bit to other Jedi. And mm-hmm. I, you know, it feels like that happens reasonably often, but maybe Obi-Wan is doing as much as he can to make sure that Anakin is in the right place at the right time without burning himself up and trying to do the best that he can for Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. So it was actually a little bit of a tough episode to watch for that because it was so heavy handed. But as you said, if it was done earlier in the animation process, that might be what's going on. So I'm also going to give you points because I was going to start anti Baywatch and which is characters that I hate so much that I want to murder them and then resurrect them Mm -hmm. just to murder them again. And Goldie was going to be the first and only character on that list. Wow. But I think you kind of spun me around on this like potential sympathetic villain for Goldie. Well, I mean, I have been the continual antagonist apologist here. You really like... It's a skill set. <laughs> I think maybe Star Wars should employ you. Make them make Moff Gideon sympathetic next. You know what's interesting? So uh, I play the X-Wing Miniatures game, which is a lot of fun. And if anyone on uh, any of our listeners want to meet up and play sometime, I'd be happy to. Uh, There's a character who is canon. Her name is Admiral Ray Sloan, and she is a late Empire era character. She lasts like the entire Empire. And there's a handful of Imperial characters who are extraordinarily popular. Her, Thrawn, and now Moff Gideon, who, Hmm. you know, they're Empire all the way. They got you know, Palpatine tattooed on their parts. And <laughs> and they're still really compelling characters because it is so simple. It is so easy and so simple to paint this universe, this fantasy universe, as there is good, there is evil. Mm-hmm. When in reality, that's only true from a certain point of view. Yeah. That's why I am deeply loving the Clone Wars this time around. I've just totally reneged on my former position that's not worth my time mm-hmm. because I just seeing characters painted in these different layers with all of this nuance just scratches that itch in my brain. For for the listeners, we had notes from our first watch through and on the rookies episode, Anna said, clone episodes are boring and I will die on this hill. <laughs> I'm so humiliated <laughs> that you're airing my dirty laundry. It's true. It's true. It's true. And I didn't have any notes for this episode because I did not remember it and did not care about it. 
And now... We just spent an hour talking about it because it's great. And you're about to make an anti-Baywatch. Yeah. Any closing thoughts on this one? Actually... Yes, my closing thought is that the fortune cookie for Duel of the Droids mm-hmm. is you hold on to friends by keeping your heart a little softer than your head. And um, when Grievous stabs Ganoct in the back, I was just like, well, I guess you're not keeping that friend. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. And that's all I got. All right, y'all. As always, you can find us on social media at Growing Up Skywalker. If you like the show, please subscribe, leave us a review on your podcast app, or send it to your mentor who may have been like really busy lately, but you know they still love you. Or the person who helps you see who you could be through gentle nudges and course corrections. Oh. Yes, send it to that person. We love them so much. If you'd like to get access to fun goodies, including having your name read on the show, you can find us on Patreon. Thanks, Ben, Allison, and Rachel. Yeah, we love a you lot. so much. You guys are great. Finally, if you have any questions, please send us a listener holocron at growingupskywalker at gmail.com. We promise we read every single one and tune in next Tuesday for the Newt Gunray Capture Yo! Season 1, episode 8 through 10. They are good ones. They're a lot of fun. See you Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bye.